From CBC Radio, this is Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein. Today's show, performance. Hi, how you folks doing? Uh, my, my name's Jonathan Goldstein, and these are things you should know about me. Number one, when I am alone, I'll smoke cigarettes through my nose. I love smoking like that more than the normal way. I confessed this picadillo to my girlfriend, Hetty, and she told me about a friend she had who did the same thing and now has a little yellow Hitler nicotine mustache under her nose. Every pleasure has its punishment. The more ludicrous the pleasure, the more ludicrous the punishment. Number two. When I was born, my mother gave me the Jewish name Chuna. But the thing is, Chuna isn't really a Jewish name at all. It's just crazy talk, something my mother made up. A rabbi once told me that God, through one's parents, gives you your true Jewish name. And according to the Kabbalah, that name is connected to your essential self. So if you don't have a valid Jewish name, it means your soul is in eternal turmoil. Once when I was a teenager, I told my mother what I knew. I have a troubled soul, I said. Don't say that. It's true, though. My soul's all screwed up because you never took the time to buy one of those Jewish baby name books. <laughs> my mom and dad are in the audience tonight. Everybody give them a hand. Number three, I'm very surprised that people don't throw things at the movie screen. It seems like the kind of thing that should happen at least once in a while. <laughs> Deep down inside, we're not animals. We're polite. Probably, we don't even have to die. Probably, we're just too polite not to. <laughs> Number four, the fun of drinking is trying to retain your dignity. The fun of drinking is thinking that you have dignity. <laughs> Number five. I live with my girlfriend, Hetty, and her eight-year-old daughter, Zuzu. Today, when I walked back into the kitchen, Zuzu was smiling. There were long-stemmed flowers in my apple juice. I held back every instinct I had, instincts that were cultivated in me from a very young age instincts that dictated a solemn respect for the sanctity of the beverage. When I attended bar mitzvahs and the other children were spiking Shirley Temples with pickle brine for the crazy kid at the table to drink, I watched with horror. Flowers really have a way of livening up a room, I lied. <laughs> Number six. I wake up and Zuzu and her friend Sabrina are standing over my bed. Sabrina has pink hair. She lives in a foster home down the street. You smell like my Uncle Terry, Sabrina says. Your Uncle Terry must be quite a guy. Can we use your computer, asks Zuzu. Yes, I say. But could you start knocking before you come in? My Uncle Terry always says stuff like that, too says Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina slept over for the past two nights in a row. 
She follows me around the house, just staring at me, showing me scabs on her ankles or not saying anything at all. How old are you? She asks. How old do you think I am? Sixty? You really think I'm sixty? Yeah. And how old do you think Hetty is? Sixteen, she says. Later, Hetty reassures me. She's just a kid. Kids don't understand the passage of time. I'm aware of what adults can look like to children, and I think about it whenever I'm around them. Sabrina follows me around the house, questioning everything I do. Why do you keep the coffee in the freezer? She asks. To keep it fresher. We don't do that. She asks me if she can have an ice cube, and I give her one. Your ice tastes funny, she says. It's a special recipe. Can I spit it out? I extend my hand. It's what my mother used to do for me and my sister during long car drives. It's called the garbage hand. I do it just like my mother. I keep my hand all scrunched up, like I'm in a downpour without a bucket, and I'm parched and in need of a sip of rainwater. Thank you. I'm Jonathan Goldson. You guys have been great. I'll be here all week. Thanks a lot. The uh, the buffet table is open between seven and eight. I'm in the studio today with Misha Globerman. Uh, Misha's here to perform his version of "Stairway to Heaven." And um, Misha, you're going to be you're going to be performing the song. Have I got this correct? With with just one note. Um, yeah, yeah, the, um, A, then it will be A. Uh-huh. What, is there some kind of, um, is there a theory behind this? Well, yeah, I guess I'm, I guess I'm trying, I'm sort of trying to, like, um, I guess, I guess sort of cut to the chase. Okay, like, I think that that's what rock and roll is about, like, it's about simplicity and emotion and expression and not about kind of, you know, all this sort of, like, fancy, you know, like, notes. Like, like, is it hard to is it hard to just maintain one note? Oh no, for sure. It's 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 pretty hard to maintain one note, and it also means that, like, I I think at least that you have to bring a lot more like a lot more soul, if if I can use that word to it, like a lot more a lot more emotion, and and I mean a lot of singers I think maybe are technically skilled, um, in that they can sing a lot of different notes, mm-hmm. but they can also kind of they can also kind of use that as a crutch, or they can they can hide. They can hide behind behind that, you know, behind all those uh, all, yeah, behind all those notes and all that sort of fa- fancy technique. Maybe people will become more tired of sort of like the you know overproduced, multi-noted uh, kind of things. What my version does is it maybe rescues some of the some of the beauty of the song from some other kind of um, like musical pompousness and overdoneness. Okay. Well, hey, then um, let's uh, without further ado, why don't we why don't we get to the song, shall we? All right. Uh, so this is uh, this is Misha Globerman uh, performing his one-note version of "Stairway to Heaven." There's a lady ashore, all the glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. And a new day will dawn 
for those who stand long, and the forest will echo with laughter. Does anybody remember laughter? You know, Misha. Yeah, yeah. It, it it actually makes me realize that like other notes aren't aren't a God given right. Thank you. They're a privilege. Thank thank you. And that you know we could get by with maybe uh, one note. Yeah. But you but you're you're absolutely sincere about this. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of like the kind of song you make up when you're like ten years old to drive your dad crazy <laughs> on a long car drive. Wait, 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 what? You know what I mean? Because you want to like push your your dad's buttons because you know that he's like really close to to like drive you know driving off the road or something. Do you mean because it has so much rock and roll that it may, might be too powerful for someone of an older generation? Is that what you're trying to say? It's very intense. Yeah, thank, thank you. I thought that's what you meant. What 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 I find cool in listening to your version of it is that I mean it made me realize that for so long my what I end up visualizing what I've associated with that song is like I think about like you know like Doug DeShaney's carpeted van that smelled like pot in the school parking lot <laughs> in high school you know but but now I actually f I find myself like thinking about like you know like a robot with his leg caught in a bear trap. <laughs> And like, and, like, crying out to the Norse gods. Well, I think that's what makes it art, is that it can mean different things to different people. When you're playing it, you're feeling it. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not, you're not faking it. No. And I think the part of why I'm really feeling it is that I'm not thinking, like, oh, okay, so this finger has to go there, and that finger has to go there, and, and then, oh, you have to move, you know. You're not getting mired down in a lot of, like, that extraneous... Technicalities. Right. Like, it's not math. Can have you have you have you considered seeking out uh, people to play with? Yeah, you? I've been I've been yeah I've been sort of asking around and stuff. I'd really like to get. I think it'd be really great to have like a whole band and have a bass player who only played the one note, and maybe you could have like rhythm guitar and lead guitar. Okay, and is is that coming together? Are you finding people who share your vision? No. Hmm. Well, why why do you think that is? Well, I think I mean, like I say, it is like a pretty forward-looking thing, and I think that it's hard to find. I think that a lot of a lot of musicians are sort of, you know, they're sort of stuck in the in the in the in the kind of trends of the present and stuff like that. Maybe you can't quite can't quite see where things are going. And, and I think you know, I don't know. I mean, a lot of them have already, like for instance, you know, a bass player. He's already gone out and he's got bought the bass guitar. And it has all those strings on it and stuff, and it might seem like a waste. That is true. Yeah, to not use all of you know all of them. But maybe like like what what are some of the what are some of the things you hear when you when you approach people about joining you in this uh, in this effort? Well, they'll say like um, they'll say no, mm -hmm. or they'll say um, that sounds like a bad idea, or um, a lot of the time, or maybe, or sometimes maybe I'll email people, and then they they just won't write back, you know, like that kind of thing. And and how do you deal with that? Is that is that hard? Sure, but I mean, like in anything, like if you're going to be an innovator, like you have to, you have to realize that there's going to be people who aren't, you know, who, who don't understand what you're doing at the beginning. If you had an opportunity for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant to hear your version of it, would you would you want them to hear it? Um, uh, yeah, of course. What do you think they'd think of it? I would hope that they would be flattered. I hope that they would listen to it and they would be like, "Wow, he got to the heart of the matter." 
I feel like that. I feel like they've sort of communicated something to me that like I've understood that maybe other people haven't understood. Like they sent me a present and I unwrapped it, and maybe other people haven't unwrapped it. You know, like they've just looked at the the like golden shiny wrapping paper at the outside and maybe held it up to their ear and, and, and shaken it, but they haven't actually like unwrapped it and gone through all the gold paper and the box and the tissue paper and, and the ribbons and the styrofoam peanuts and the other ribbons to sort of get what's at the core of it and maybe they'd be like oh he's you know here's the first person who's who's unwrapped it there's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold and she's buying a stairway she gets there, she knows If the stores are all closed With a word, she can get what she came for And she's buying a stairway to heaven Hey, did I ever tell you the story of um, Goldilocks? You mean Goldilocks and the Three Bears? No, 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 that's the children's story. The story that happened with the big... Blonde dreadlock guy. Oh, I yeah, actually, you have. I love that story. It's not much of a story. I mean, it's just no. It's a, a it's a funny thing that happened to me. But I, I know, know it's like, a great story. When when you when you first told us that story in the booth at Bennigan's. I know that's what made me think of it. It's because you guys were laughing and you thought it was funny that night. We, we were in hysterics. Right? It was like the funniest story I've ever heard in my life. Howard actually passed an entire like like milkshake through. I his remember nose. He, was, he was. That's actually what made me think of it. But but I think that um. No 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 no. It's a classic. It's a great story. Actually, would you would you want to tell me the story right now? I'd, I'd love to hear it again. I'm not sure if it's um. Go ahead, just start just start telling me the story. Go ahead. Okay, so this is the story of Goldilocks. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine, he got to be friends with a drug dealer named Goldilocks, who was a white Rastafarian who was about seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this guy had big, gigantic dreadlocks, and mm-hmm. I guess probably because they were gold colored, they called them Goldilocks. That's I'm guessing where the similarity to the whole thing with the three bears ends. And somehow, this guy said to him, I'll give you like an ounce of weed if you help me move my furniture. Because my friend had a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. So somehow I got roped into going along, and I wasn't even part of the deal. Hey, hey, Gregor, hang on a second. Do you, do you mind if I start recording this so I can play it on the radio? No, I do. Whatever you think. Okay, ha- hang on one second. Okay, hang on. Okay, go ahead. So let's see. It was summer. A warm day. I was a young man then, and I had my whole life ahead of me. I had decided to spend the afternoon in the park. Okay, Gregor? Yeah? Okay, you see, I, I, I just want you to, you know, be yourself, that's all. I want you to tell the story the way you, the way you told at that time. Right. Forget that I'm recording you. I Dude, just want what you are you to... saying? I'm not being myself, and I was just trying to make well, a story. No, I mean a little bit. You know, it's just sort of, it just sounds a little performed. Okay. I just want you to. I just want you to be yourself. That's what I want. No, I get that. It's just yeah. I'm trying to make you know. All right. All right. I get what you're saying. I was being a little writerly. I can back off the writerly thing. Okay. Good. Okay. Just go ahead. I was hanging out downtown with a fast crowd, and my friend had made an offer to a local drug. Okay, Gregor. Yeah. I mean, you're it, it, you're doing. You, you don't sound like yourself. What do you mean? I don't sound like. Like, like like you sound like those guys you know who like have their first like college radio DJing gig. Oh come on! You know what I mean? Like do you have that whole like late night FM radio kind of thing happening. Come on! You don't want me to be screechy and nasal. Do you? No, but I just want you to be yourself. It, it sounds like you're putting on airs. That's all. I was just I, ju- I, ju- I just taking a drink of water. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. Continue it, but just you know yourself. That's all. 
Yeah, myself. Okay. I mean, who, who, who else would it be? Exactly. Okay. Who's talking to you? It's me. That's right. Okay, good. Go ahead. So uh, I was running with a fast crowd, right? And uh, the day seemed like it was going to be a hot one because we were going to be in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn in the summer is hot, like with the waves of heat radiating off the tarmac hot. I remember being very sweaty. I didn't have my shirt on. That morning, I'd been walking down the street, and I'd taken my shirt off, and this homeless lady had come up to me and said, Hey, uh, hey, Harry. Hey, Harry. I call you Harry because your name's Harry because you Harry. Okay, okay, Gregor. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I want to hear any more about your sweaty, hairy, uh, naked torso. I don't see what it has to do with the story. You've never included this as part of the story before. It's just a little funny color. Come on. Uh huh. Just, just to tell the story because I think it's a, it's a good story. I've heard you tell the story before. I love this story. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> so at this point. We were on uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. This guy in the back with me, Judas. I said to him, "I I know about uh, what Judas's reputation was, and I I felt like I I I'm not trying to offend you by implying that you were like Judas in some way." Uh, Gregor, can I yeah. ask you something completely crazy here? I'm yeah. stopping the tape. Hang on a second. Yeah. Hang, hang on one second. Sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, am, I, am I nuts, or, or were you just sort of like slipping into a British accent? Did you? I'm not slipping into a British yeah, you accent. You were. You sounded like I'm you. I'm not slipping into a British accent. Y yes, you were. You were. I think you're making this more difficult. I swear than you, I can, I can replay you the tape right now. You'll hear yourself. You were definitely talking in a British accent. Well, look, I may have a trace of an accent. As you know, I did live in the UK for a while. Yeah, you spent you spent the summer there when you were 13. Yeah, but, it, you know, that's formative years. It might have rubbed off on me a little bit. I mean, some unconscious way that you're picking up on now, but you have super attuned ears. You're like a, you know, a radio engineer. You can tell, like, 10 dBs of an English accent. I mean, I can't defend myself against what I can't hear. I, I feel like you're killing the story, though. Like a part of what's funny about the story. Can't you fix that in editing? Well, I can't turn you into you in the editing. Only you can be you. Amazing. I can't make you be Who's you. Here? Who answered the phone if not me? When we were at Bennigan's, I was just telling you guys, and you thought it was funny, and now that you're all professional and starched up, you just can't take it. And I just feel like you're managing me to death here. Okay, fine. You know what? Just tell me the story because I enjoy hearing it. I'm not going to... I'm just... Okay, okay. So, askance, we began to realize that our little footle... I'm not recording you. You know that, right? You could be yourself. I am myself. Okay. I'm telling you that our footle was doomed. What's a footle? Our, our little caper. What was the first time you ever heard me say footle? It's probably the first time I've ever actually heard that word spoken. <laughs> okay. I want you to tell the story the way you told that story that time in Bennigan's when we all listened to it and we all laughed, okay? That's how I want you to tell the story. You weren't trying to impress anybody was the thing. You were just telling a funny story, that's all. Who am I trying to impress now? I don't know. You're telling the story as though it's a valedictorian speech. Why would I tell a valedictorian speech about getting involved in a drug deal? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's, it's ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. It's inappropriate, is what I'm saying. Okay, you tell me what's appropriate, okay? Okay, just being yourself, that's all. It's, that it's, it's cool to be yourself. Oh, really? Yeah. What did you learn that? An after-school special? Anything else cool? Are verbs cool? Maybe nouns are cool now. Come on. Don't be, don't be sensitive. I'm just trying to help you. All right. Okay, look, do you want to try it again? I'll start recording. Just tell the story. Be yourself. That's all, okay? Yeah, be, you know what I feel like you're doing? I feel like you're pushing this to Benny Hill ha-ha funny. And that's not really what I think about. you're pushing it to Benny Hill, haha, ha, funny, because you're the one who's using a British accent. I'm not using a British accent. I happen to have, you know, 
Okay. Why don't I just cut to the chase? Here's the story. Cut, right. One day I got some guy's furniture, and then he dropped me off, and I came home. Is that hysterical? No, now you, you see, now I feel like... Is your milkshake coming out your nose? You cut the guts out of it. You know what you're like? You're like one of the suits. You know the network suits who comes down and, like, the guy's trying to do a show and, like, the comedy, and then the suits come down and they have notes and they give the guy the notes and then they kill the comedy? So you're, so you're saying that a network suit would be someone who would come in and tell someone else to be themselves. That's what network suits do, huh? Yeah, yeah, but they tell them, you know what they say? They say, hey, go be yourself, Dave Letterman, only be the self who's more like Jay Leno. That's what they say. Look. My whole life, I've been told you're a guy with all this potential, you're so funny, you got all this potential, and it all adds up to nothing. And I feel like here's another opportunity I had to maybe be a little bit funny, maybe be a public persona, and right away, I get to the threshold, and you're pulling the carpet out from under me. You're saying, like, I don't tell the story right. Look, I'm, I'm just trying to help you to be you, that's all. You want to help me be me, if that's what you want to do? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you a recipe for that. Leave me alone. That's how you want to help me be me. All right. I can be me, be me, without you giving me notes on how I can be me. Okay, fine. Because I was doing me a long time before you came along. All right, all right, fine. Tell the yeah, story. Well, I, I do me better than anybody. Okay, point well taken. Okay. And back to Goldilocks. Tell me how to be me. Okay, so this dreadlock drug dealer was a little, I guess, I don't know, you'd call him maybe like contumacious, right? What, what is that? Contumacious. It means like, you know, obstreperous. Oh, extreporous. Gregor, what is it? I don't know what you're talking about. He was being, like, pervicacious with me. I'm pretty... And I don't think that that really abrogates my kind of... Voices you heard in part one of Wiretap were Gregor Ehrlich and Misha Gluberman. Misha Gluberman is host of the Trampoline Hall Lectures and the Room 101 game series.